Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Can you smell it? There's a life force in this podcast tonight. <laughs> sure, Mita. Sure. <laughs> it was that or I was going to say like, aye, aye, Captain. Or yeah, that would have worked too. Yeah. But I just wanted to be Tony Perkins. Sure. <laughs> Perkins. You, you do that. You do that, okay. Mita. See, that's not harming anybody. No. Uh, Mita, how's it going? I am living and breathing today. I it's it back? felt today it felt like living and breathing. Oh. I was telling you before we recorded, I thought I was gonna die in the middle of the yeah, night. So actually day. it's apropos <laughs> to say it today. And so today I made it through the morning. Yeah. I made it through the wilderness wilderness. Somehow I finally made it through. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like I'm just living and breathing today, which is great. I love that I can live and breathe. Yes, that's a yeah. that's nice. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I had I didn't sleep. Not very living well last and breathing. Night. No, I'm oh. <laughs> I'm thri- surviving and thriving. There we go. There we go. That's my saying that I bring out. You know, every now and then. Yeah, I'm just very tired. We had a dinner party on the weekend, that was after a weekend of like doing stuff around the house. So very very tired. I asked you a very important question via text message, and you never answered it. What did you serve at oh. this dinner party? <laughs> it was Indian food. It was like all okay. Indian food. So we like, tell biryani, us biryani, <laughs> and my wife made mm. butter chicken. Uh, I made another type of like Hyderabadi chicken. We had like a few things, and then we made pasta for the kids. Nice, and then, like mac and cheese, or like good pasta. No, like good pasta. Like I did okay, a. I make my own sauce, and then I mm-hmm. made my own ground beef, and then pasta with a cheese topping. Baked it. Yeah, I make a good pasta casserole. There you go. And then for dessert, we made kulfi. Yum. And Actually, I don't like kulfi. I don't know why I said that. You don't like kulfi? It's I, like ice cream. What's there not to like? I don't know. It's just the idea of having kulfi. It doesn't appeal to me. Like if someone gives it to me, okay, I'll eat it. But yeah. I'm not like kulfi is the one that I want to But make. in like the summer, it's nice. And sometimes no, better not... than ice cream, I find. And sometimes you want ice cream. Sometimes you want kulfi. This might be like a hot take. I'm not a fan of Indian desserts. I get that from a lot of people because Indian desserts are very sweet. Yeah. They're like very, very sweet. sweet. And I find there's a time and a place for them. Yeah. Generally speaking. It's usually like it's a very rare occasion for me to be like, oh, yeah, give me that gulab jamun. Like I'm not. Uh, I'm I also not find that there's there's a variety of ways to make certain foods and like different ingredients. A lot of people put like when you buy gulab jamun, for instance, in the market, people put rose water in it. And I don't like that. When I make yeah. gulab jamun, I don't, and so I tend to prefer like homemade gulab jamun. You, do you know, it. so it's like a diff- unless it's shrikand. If someone made shrikand and like well, you want to give it shrikand, to me, yeah. I will take it. Yeah. Next time she makes it, you tell me. I will come and take that shrikand. Yeah, because that I could eat all day. Shrikand, if you're not aware, is basically like frozen yogurt. It's sweet. It's sweet yeah. yogurt. Yeah, and. You can make it with like um, saffron. Sometimes you yeah. can make it with mango. It's it's very yummy. Yeah. There are certain desserts I really do like, though, and I do find that I prefer Indian desserts that are homemade 
rather than from the uh, store. But I prefer, like, Western desserts, like cake, I'd actually prefer that on the outside than on the inside. Because like cake a is really. Baker. Yeah, because cake is really easy to screw up. Yeah. And a lot of people, super... it's too dry or the icing isn't right. And, like, I want a professional cake, usually, uh. but I want homemade gulab jamun. I love our dessert talk I today. Know, right? It wasn't even part of our small It wasn't talk. a part of the small talk, but this just organically came to Look the at forefront. that. But we have cake in the fridge, and I'm going to eat that, and I'm really excited for it. I'm excited for you. <laughs> okay, Mita, I've been dying to know. Yes. You saw the Batman. I saw the Batman. The uh, Batman. The. It's not Batman. It's the Batman. First of all, I just want to say that my favorite review is from Mashable, <laughs> where it was described as, if it was a David Fincher movie that was made for Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> that is a... It's a fair, a very fair judgment on the film itself. I think my biggest takeaway is like, this should have been rated R and they could have done so much more. Yeah. Like, I think they would have gotten across like what they were trying to do a lot better if this was rated R and they were like allotted that, that the discrepancy between like yeah. a PG-13 movie and a rated R movie. Because there is a big discrepancy. There is. And like, no, I'm not going to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> there was a part where I was like, I want to see Batman and Catwoman like do it. Like I really want to see. But that I think happen. that's totally reasonable. We've never okay. seen them have sex, and I think yeah. they're meant to have this like literal animalistic sexual chemistry and that we never see happen. Zoe Kravitz, who I'm not the biggest fan of, yeah. um, and Robert Pattinson, they have very good chemistry that's in good. this. Like, yes, it is very, very palpable, and so I, I do wish that this movie could have taken the extra steps that I think are needed, like the extra steps that make it seem like it's a Walmart movie as yeah. opposed to a film. But I was really, you know, surprised by it. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about Robert Pattinson in this role. Mm -hmm. I think he does a really good Batman. Mm -hmm. I'm not too sure how I feel about his Bruce Wayne. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. And what I'm hearing, like, from the TikTok and the interwebs, is that this Bruce Wayne maybe is like a little more true to, to the Batman. comic style. Yeah. yeah, to the bat like not the Bruce Wayne that we grew up with. Yeah. So that could be why I have um that strength with it. But I I did actually enjoy it. It's way too long. Three <laughs> it's hours, a, man. A three hour long movie. But it's not gonna be the dark night. Nothing is ever gonna be the dark night. Nothing's night. ever gonna be the dark night. Nothing so stop will be expecting that. it. Exactly. But for what it is, it is actually really good. It's very okay. entertaining. Too long, in my opinion, could be darker, but for obvious reasons, they can't do that. And um, did not recognize Colin Farrell one bit. I heard he's really good in it. He's superb in it. And he, the, him and this is what he should have done in Widows. Like it's, they kind of. Oh, interesting. Okay. They felt similar to me, except in Widows, you get distracted by him because he's Colin Farrell. Yeah. I think that takes away I, from I it. I totally agree with that. He, they don't do, they don't make him like cheesy penguin like they did with Danny DeVito. Yeah. And his character in the Batman, I'm trying so hard like to not spoil things. His character in the Batman is what his character in Widows should have been. Mm. Um, and I think part of that, though, is just the amount of makeup and prosthetics that he yeah. had to have done to him. So part of me is like, it's a really great performance. But then the other part of me is like, do you need all that prosthetic to get away with a great performance? 
that's unfair to call in. And I like, that's a good question. It's just unfortunate yeah, if that's fair. the case because like his performance is still his performance, makeup yeah. or not, right? Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that like he needs it so that we're not distracted by him being Colin Farrell because like at the end of the day, Colin Farrell is not like Tom Cruise or like Tom Hanks who are even more distracting. True. Do you know what I mean? I think I'm just distracted by like the negative attention Colin Farrell always used to get. Like, I think it's really hard to walk away from that. And like, he's obviously, in terms of his personal life. Yeah. 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 And I think that was really unfair to him, a lot of it. And he's never been able to lift past it, even though like a lot of it was just him being a person. And I think personally, he has done a lot for himself to actually get away from those things. So sometimes it's hard to like differentiate the two, but he is very good in it. And I actually wish there was more of him in this movie but i do think uh, i think robert pattinson signed on for like three so i think oh. they're gonna be exploring some more um that's like not really a spoiler but like well whatever. he doesn't die so there's that there you go <laughs> he's not the main villain in the the movie so, so. how is punchable face paul dano <laughs> i actually um i enjoy paul dano i think no matter what when there's a villain in the batman movie they're gonna be compared to heath ledger yeah and like you just it's the same thing with the dark knight you can't beat that like yeah. that is going to be the best movie villain of all time yeah i think that that's a fair statement to make yeah paul dano is is fine in it i think in terms of the writing they could have done more with that mm. character but he does with what he has he does a very good job with it okay yeah it is extremely long <laughs> it's extremely long let, but let me reiterate <laughs> I but I didn't reach for my phone. Okay, which is like it feels long, but it doesn't feel like overlong. I guess. Yes, like I waited it out, but I also was like the last third of the movie. I was like, this is like it's stretching. Yeah, yeah, which is also sometimes the case with the Dark Knight. So it is, and mm-hmm. I find the Dark Knight. The big thing about the Dark Knight is that when Heath Ledger isn't on screen, especially in the third act, it really stretches long. Yeah, it really doesn't. It doesn't hold the same way. The Dark Knight is really the perfect alignment of writing, directing, and acting Mm -hmm. that I don't know when we'll see again. Probably never. Yeah. It's literally when everything perfectly lined up and somehow Mm -hmm. it turned into folklore. It's just so good. Parts of the Batman also, I just, this popped into my mind, does feel like a video game a little bit, Mm. which... not in the way that it was, like, distracting, like in Snowpiercer. Yeah. But parts of this does feel like a video game. But I also think they're trying to do more. Um, so in this movie, I don't think it's a spoiler, but uh, it's more of a detective story than, like, an actual action-packed thriller. Mm. Like, you're actually trying to solve this with Batman. And so parts of that feel like, you know, in video games when they have storylines? Yeah. Yeah. And you're they, like, like, meet reading up. the storyline and all that. That's, yeah. yeah. So, like, in terms of dialogue, like, it's not that great. I, again, The Dark Knight beats that. Yep. But, uh, no, I, I enjoyed it. Out of five, I'll give it a three and a half. That's what I thought you'd say. Oh, really? <laughs> I guess my big question is, <laughs> mm. do we need another Batman? That's, so this is the other thing with the DC universe. And like before the movie starts, they like introduce you into the other movies that are going to come out this year. And I'm like this DC, they really just like they mucked it up. The beauty of and I know you hate it, but the beauty of the MCU is that it's is planned that, out. 
it was planned out well yeah. planned out but they didn't have so many reiterations to start with with the exception of spider-man which yeah. they didn't own but the problem with the dcu is that we've had so many batman movies now that weren't mm-hmm. part of this universe we've had so many superman movies like we just it's so hard to differentiate something like the nolan films from what they're trying to do now and i don't know if the fan base is like sort of strong enough to latch on to that because they've had something so good to compare it to. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And it, it, does it just feel like, I don't know, are we going to get a Batman every 10 years kind of thing? I hope not. Because that's what it's feeling like. Because it's not, like, as much as this is different from The Dark Knight, it's not fresh. No. Not, like, and There's you're never no going to have a fresh new be. take on Batman. Unless it's something like the Lego movie and you have Will Arnett playing Batman. And I I think it's actually like a fantastic role for Will Arnett. But like you're not going to have that. Yeah. And it's also, that's a parody. These exactly. are movies in earnest trying to be Batman in earnest. And I think yeah. it's like you said, what Christopher Nolan attempted to do was the one time you got to redo that film we can't keep on redoing it. And like, you're in a better position to make this assessment. This feels like it's a redo of the Dark Knight. Like, it really does feel like the Dark Knight was trying to be darker and grittier and all of that. Mm-hmm. And this just feels like it's just playing off that, really. I wouldn't say that. Okay. I think it is trying to be its own film. I just think it's impossible to make that comparison, especially because the Dark Knights happened within the last two decades, right? Yeah, like, like, we were alive for it. Yeah. So, like, when we watched The Dark Knight, we were comparing it to the Tim Burton Batmans and we were comparing it to, why am I blanking on his name right now? Like Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher's Batmans. And so like, obviously, you're always going to have that. But I think the thing is, like you said, Christopher Nolan's Batmans felt fresh. It did. They did feel unique. They did feel different. And like, for the record, I'm not some like Batman fanboy. I do think Dark Knight Rises is quite disappointing as a film as Mm -hmm. a trilogy it really does work but as a film itself it i think the dark knight was its worst enemy in that as a singular film it's spectacular but nothing was going to meet up to that and like thereafter it was never going to happen and i still like dark knight rises i don't know why people hate on it so much i really enjoyed it again because i think everyone compares it to the dark knight and that's what they're expecting but they had to tie up the story. Like, that was the point yeah, of doing a trilogy. But um, much better than Ben Affleck. And uh, I do recommend to go see it. I do recommend – I saw it in IMAX and it was, like, very enjoyable. I don't think you would be able to uh, enjoy the experience as much if you watched it on your television at home. I'm trying to go next week, so I'll see. Set aside I didn't know you were, like, interested hours. to see it. Well, I, I love – Batman's my favorite superhero of all the superheroes. I really do like Batman. I really loved the animated series. Okay. A big fan when I was younger. And I've always been – I always found Batman. Even as a kid, I found him to be a little bit more mature. He's the coolest because he doesn't have powers. No, but this yeah. is actually something that, like, we should move on because we have a whole movie to discuss. <laughs> this is our new Batman podcast. not Batman. Yeah, exactly. But I have a friend who has, um, and he's a writer, like a producer, film producer, and he yeah. has a real hot take on Christopher Nolan's Batmans that I find really interesting. Mm-hmm. He says that it's, it's in its place and it has its moments and Heath Ledger is Heath Ledger, but it's hard to take a movie seriously that is trying to tell a serious story about a man dressed in a bat suit. Mm-hmm. And that's mm. very, very true. true. Yeah. Like, it's very yeah. hard it to, to be like, here's a serious movie about a man dressed in a cape. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. really does. 
it really does boil down to that. And I think it's kind of like you take out the camp of it and can it maintain itself? And I think Christopher Nolan managed to do it. But I, I personally just don't know, like, are we just becoming redundant with what we do? And like Christopher Nolan did it well, and now someone else is just like, let me get my, you let know, me try, hand. yeah, let me try. Well, like, Nolan's still a producer on this too, so he still has his hand on things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not like, I don't know. It just feels very redundant with the Joker hap, like Joker happening just two years ago or for whatever it was, which in and of itself was an unnecessary movie. Like, <laughs> it just feels very much like. Why do we keep revisiting these characters and yeah, why are we man. learning about new characters? Why are we not learning about new characters? And like, yeah. I read an article today about how Benedict Cumberbatch actually commented on Sam Elliott's comment about the power of the dog. Yeah. And about how like he didn't really understand the hate that Sam Elliott had given it. And the mm-hmm. comments on this Instagram post were like, Sam Elliott's the coolest. I hated power of the dog like over and over and over again. And I'm just like, the you didn't only, get it. You <laughs> didn't get it. You clearly yeah. didn't understand it. And now now we have the, like, whatever, ninth iteration of a movie that we've all seen making $200 million at the box office. Mm-hmm. So, of course, no one is going to make The Power of the Dogs if the Batmans are making this much money. It's just, it's frustrating to experience as a moviegoer. Mm. And we've gotten so far away from what we were supposed to talk about. I don't even know how we segue. Do we segue? Do we just end it now? No. Heavyweights. Okay. <laughs> what a segue. What a segue. This uh, week we watched a, a the movie. movie of this <laughs> podcast, in my opinion. The movie of I've this been podcast. waiting I love that. 50 movies to watch this movie, <laughs> and here we are. Did you count down from when we first mentioned it? Did, I don't. So this was a question I actually had for you. When did you mention it? Was it when we I was trying to remember. About, I don't know if you mentioned it in the podcast. I feel like it was when we were discussing doing this, like as the the theme for this season, like we pick movies for each other. And then you said heavyweights at one point. No. So it was during like actually recording the podcast. Okay, okay. But first, do you want to do the plot description? Let's let's do into, get into our things. Okay. So this week we watched the Meet the Movie. Meet the <laughs> What Did We Watch? We watched Heavyweights. Oh my god, what a time to be alive. I'm going to give us a quick IMDb disco of Heavyweights, okay. and Mita will uh-huh. then go into her choices. Okay. Plum kids are lured into joining a posh fat camp with the promise of quick weight loss and good times, only to find that the facility is a woodland hellhole run by a psycho ex-fitness instructor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I would why just like I to say this. before Mita gets there that that log yeah. line is better than the entire movie. <gasps> Blasphemy! <laughs> How Mita, dare you? Talk to me about your choices. Okay, so Heavyweights first came out during an episode of our podcast. I was trying to find out which one it was, but that required me to do a lot of work that I just wasn't going to do. Um, but what I do remember from the conversation is you asked me when was like the first time you remember being sort of like enthralled by a movie or movie magic or like okay. what yeah. And the only thing that could come <laughs> to my mind was heavyweights. All right. And I so heavyweights came out in nineteen ninety five when I was four years old. So I definitely didn't watch it then. But I believe that they used to play this quite a bit on the family network, the family channel. Family channel. Okay. And also I do have this 
memories of like renting it at Blockbuster. And I also remember renting it at Blockbuster and doing the seven-day rental, not the three-day or the five-day, oh, okay. but the seven-day rental. So I do feel like I... I feel like I've watched this movie so many times, but I think it probably was just all within one week. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Um, But yes, so at the time, you put me on the spot, and the first thing that came to mind was Heavyweights, and and you had never heard of it. And since then... I remember getting that conversation and how, like, (laughs) incredulous I was about, like, what are you talking about? You asked me when was the first time I remember being enthralled with a movie and, like, fascinated by how a movie was made and so that's what came to mind um and i haven't watched it since i was a child but this is evidence that our phones obviously listen to us but shortly after we recorded that podcast Mm -hmm. i saw an interview i think it was either with um judd apatow or leslie mann explaining that when they first were going out Judd Apatow, who wrote Heavyweights, which I didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn this until very recently, until I saw this video. Right. He wrote Heavyweights. And in order to impress Leslie Mann, he showed her Heavyweights. <laughs> <laughs> he made her watch it. And at the time, I thought that was like the greatest thing ever. And I was like, oh, I really need to rewatch Heavyweights. And Disney Plus was not available at that time. And so it was very difficult to, to find. And I also didn't want to purchase it to yeah. watch it. Um, so I waited. And then I saw it was on Disney Plus And I was going to watch it. But then I thought, no, I'm going to keep this one for the podcast. And so here we are, season two. I put it on the list. I've been taunting you with it. Mm. I'm sure you expected it fairly early in the season. My original plan was to have this be my last episode for this season. But I did think that that was maybe a little bit too predictable. So I did it as my second last choice for this season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mita. Nadeem. What a time. Talk to me about heavyweights. (laughs) Do you have anything to say? Where does one begin to talk about heavyweights? Let me put it into perspective. I had a very busy weekend. Very, very busy. And so I only got to it on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. But I actually started editing There Will Be Blood around the same time. And we had a pretty serious discussion in There Will Be Blood about like filming and like about this kind of iconic movie that mm-hmm. is extremely well written and acted and quite important, I think, in filmography, film world. And then I watched Heavyweights. <laughs> and honestly, while watching it, I was just like, what are we going to talk about? Because Heavyweights, jokes aside, is a bad film. <laughs> I I don't but, what, agree with that. But, <laughs> wait, let, let me explain. Because okay. I think that comes with a little bit of... I'm watching Heavyweights right now as a 30-something-year-old man who mm. has lived a life and has you know, come to terms with my film choices. I have very specific choices. I'm very discerning with what I like, what I don't Mm -hmm. like. I have, it's a very small window to impress me, right? And I like, I'm I'm not saying that it has to be a certain genre of film, but when I like something, it has to be in a very, I'm holding my hands very close to each other so many can see. It has to be within that window. There was no way that this was going to fit into that window (laughs) because I'm watching it as a 30-something-year-old man. Yeah. This director actually directed, like, The Mighty Ducks. Yeah. I love The Mighty Ducks. Because I saw The Mighty Ducks when I was, like, 
When you were a kid. When I was a kid. And so most if, of the Mighty Ducks are in this movie. Yeah. And if I were to watch <laughs> this, if I were to watch the Mighty Ducks now, I might be able to recognize that mm, this isn't a great film, but that nostalgia is mm. impossible to ignore. And that the way the Mighty how popular it was watching it at school, watch like I watched it a lot. Like and it was so popular at the time that you watched it a lot. So I think if I watch it now, I'd be able to recognize that like this is clearly not a well made film. But who gives a shit? Because it's the Mighty Ducks. So I have that kind of nostalgia and that history to go back to. With this, I don't. So my opinion about it is completely purely based on a film. Watching this movie meant for like 10-year-olds as, again, a 30-year-old man. And I I think my assessment of this film is that I have this nostalgia of watching this movie and like these jokes are made for children. Like oh this my wasn't God. Yeah. a movie. This isn't like the smart Disney or Pixar films that you see today that are made they're made for kids. I'm using air quotes, but really there's a lot of adult content in there for adults to enjoy. This was made for kids who were just sitting around in the winter who needed to watch a movie. Mm. Oh, let's just put on heavyweights. Yeah. And Nadim, I enjoyed every single minute of this (laughs) ride. I really did. I was just so happy to be experiencing this again as an adult. I completely agree that this is not, this is not There Will Be Blood. This is not, (laughs) this is not The Dark Knight, okay? I'm not delusional. Like, I don't think this is going to be winning any Oscars anytime soon. But I think there is something to say about children's entertainment and the memories and the nostalgia that come along with it and how, you know, it's been like probably, I don't know, like 20 years since I've last seen this. And I still like adore every second of it. Adore. I adore is a good word. Adore. Adore. I adored this because it's just so cute. It's kids. It's kids. It's a kid's movie. It's a kid's movie, and it's made by the people who are making comedies today, slapstick comedies that you and I do not enjoy. And I think it's because they're actually really good at making kids' movies. They shouldn't be making these adult comedies. They should have stuck with this. What's the director's name again? Stephen Brill? Stephen Brill. He also directed, like, Mr. Deeds. Yeah, he has a terrible filmography. It's Little like god awful. He's like the worst of Adam Sandler's yeah. terribleness. Yeah. But and written by Judd Apatow. Which, which is surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Which is surprising because like I actually I enjoy like Knocked Up and I like 40 year old virgin. 40, yeah, 40 year old virgin. I do think Judd Apatow is talented and it has a good eye for talent as well. Judd Apatow is definitely talented. There's no yes. denying that. He also produced Bridesmaids, so like man knows what's up. He does. And everybody loves his daughter right now. Um, yeah, I know. She's hot shit. Maud Apatow. Because of Euphoria. Unfortunate that her name is Maud. Maud. <laughs> That's a misstep, Leslie and yeah, Judd. Leslie and Judd. But no, I actually think like they really hit the n- hammer on the... What's the... The nail on the head. The nail on the hammer. I lost brain cells watching this movie too. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> but they really... They... they hit something when it comes to entertaining children because the whole time I was sitting there I was like I remember laughing so hard at this as a kid like I remember enjoying Tony Perkis so much like actually being frightened of Tony Perkis that somebody would yell at me and like not let me eat food and like tell me to go exercise all the time and like he was a real villain at the time 
when I was 10 years old. So what do you have to say about the fact that when Disney is producing other children's animated movies, specifically animated ones, okay, those are both entertaining to children and sophisticated. And they do, like, you talk about the, at the same time frame. Yeah. Disney was, what was the animated movie that came out that year? Was it? In 95? Was it The Lion King? The Lion King yeah, came out Aladdin's in 94. 93, right? 94. 94, okay. So within a year apart, Disney is producing The Lion King, which is regarded as one of the greatest animated movies ever made, and Heavyweights. As Heavyweights made Disney? Produced, I, I know yeah. it's on Disney Plus, but I didn't it's know it produced, was produced. It's produced, yeah. It's produced oh, it is? Okay. Disney. Look, I don't know what to tell you when it comes to this movie. And I'm not asking, like, incredulously. Like, I really legitimately understand why you like this. Like, because I don't think... I don't think you're sitting back thinking this is a good movie. You know it's pitfalls. But your heart is in it. You have a connection to it. Yes. And I think they're trying to connect. Because when you think about, like, Lion King or Aladdin, like, yes, we... As adults enjoy them, I'm curious because you do have younger children, if they've seen them and they enjoy them in the same way that we did at that age, because it could just be a continuation of like, we grew up with these well-made Disney movies and still adore them, where this I think was made for like tweens at the time. And like, I think it's playing down to their audience. I don't think you would see that today. But in 1995, I do think that they did play down to teenagers and to tweens. And so I'm wondering, like, if children today saw The Lion King for the first time, are they going to have that same visceral reaction? Yes. My daughter watches these Disney movies. Mm -hmm. And she loves Beauty and the Beast, not as much as Frozen, but she does love Beauty and the Beast. She likes the songs. She likes the movie because animation is timeless. Mm. It doesn't have the same quality as live action where like things just don't translate. These movies are, they have a timeless quality about them because the stories are universal. The music is universal and it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you could maybe recognize that like, I think in her head, she can be like, well, Frozen looks different than Beauty and the Beast. But overall, she is entertained by both. Mm. But this actually brings the question another question i did have heavyweights wouldn't get made today so that's really interesting because i think that the message in this is actually something that is talked a lot about today but it wouldn't get made in this capacity i that there's so much that is sad to me isn't that like I, I don't there wasn't anything in this that I was like, ooh, that would get you canceled today. I think it's supposed to be like a hyperbole of like he's supposed to be this like ultimate villain. But I don't even think that. I don't think we could have a movie calling kids fat, for instance, and talking about how they should lose weight in any sort of capacity, whether it be as a parody of itself or whether it be from a villain. I don't think we live in a time where <laughs> I know my age is really starting to show when I have these conversations with you, but we live in a time where you can't do shit. But I think the moral, it's one thing to point at someone, call them fat and laugh at them like that. Yeah, that's not going to get made today. And it shouldn't. That's just rude. But the moral of this movie is like, 
the, the person that is doing that to them is the villain in this. And the hero of this movie is the camp counselor who's like, guys, we just have to control it. Like you have to watch what you're eating. Don't eat as much. Make sure you exercise. Find balance. Like, but do- Mita, isn't that still saying you shouldn't be fat at the end of the day? Saying you, but he at no point is he saying, I want you to lose weight. He's saying, I want you to be healthy. But wouldn't the message in today's day and age be you just be happy the way you are? No, the message today is like be healthy for kids to have balance. Is it? Yes, this is what I'm seeing on the TikToks. <laughs> it's not about like saying no, you can't have that candy or anything like that. But isn't it also about like I feel like the overarching message is yeah, we should have lead the healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. but when individuals are involved, the individuals you should, you know, be happy with who you are. Yes, but I think you can still be happy with who you are by implementing self-care things that, like, they are teaching children these days. They're saying, like, you can have that candy, but, like, you don't don't eat too much of the candy so you feel sick afterwards. It's, like, recognizing those things. Or if you're going to do this movie today, you show it in the viewpoint of, like, somebody having an eating disorder. Like, I think that the... Wow, there are real serious, real quick. There was <laughs> also a, there was a joke about a girl race. having a yeah that was disorder. Not. Well, okay, there's also jokes about that in Heather's like. <laughs> <laughs> but Heather's, it's funny. Bulimia so eighty seven. <laughs> but if you're gonna do this movie today, I think it's going to be a bit more about like understanding if. If a kid is overweight, perhaps it's because they do have an eating disorder and then looking and seeing like, okay, what is this about? Is it about control? Why do you feel like you don't have control? I don't know how you do that with a teen comedy, (laughs) but I think that there is a way this movie could be made today. I don't think we should banish it entirely because I think it's a really interesting topic to have these kids at a fat camp and to like watch them suffer through the negativity that comes with being overweight. I, for the record, actually don't think there's anything wrong with the movie. I'm just trying to point out, I'm more talking about like, we live in a time where this movie, this movie that's very innocent, that is really unoffensive and innocent, wouldn't get made today because someone somewhere would be offended by it. And I do think that like, why the movie works the way it does and why I think you enjoy it is because, A, because of that, clear disparity of like good versus evil we're also not trying to explain why these kids are overweight it is just kind of there's there's really no like explanation oh they have an eating disorder oh they were bullied or they were this oh they were that no man they're just fat kids and that's okay and i think that's actually one of the strengths of this movie is that it's not like it's not pandering to explain it is just kind of an absolute these are fat kids this is the premise so just kind Mm -hmm. of accept it And we're kind of stuck in this place right now where everything needs to be like dissected and explained and understood and all of that. It's so exhausting. There's too much of a sensitivity in a way. Yo, man. (laughs) I'm going to, I want to talk about, I'm going to go back to Batman for a second. Okay. And I want to just point out that like, I have a real problem with Joker as a film overall Mm -hmm. because. The Joker. (laughs) It's just Joker, isn't it? I thought it was the Joker. I think it's just Joker. The Todd Phillips movie about the Batman villain. (laughs) Yeah. Which is called Joker. Just Joker. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have a real problem with it as a film because it does exactly what you're saying that a movie nowadays would do about heavyweights. 
mm-hmm. is it's taking a character and trying to explain his bad behavior. Mm-hmm. The reason Heath Ledger's Dark Knight works so well is because it's an absolute evil. That's it. He's just, I think the best, Christopher Nolan once described him as smoke. He just appears and he vanishes. A, it's frightening. B, it's also, he's just absolute evil. Whereas now you're trying to create a movie about like, what, this man is misunderstood and you're trying to explain why he becomes a psychopath and suddenly that's meant to be acceptable? Like, what is, what are we trying to understand from that? I think the thing with that movie is that he's trying to tell two things. He's trying to tell the story of why the Joker is the way the Joker is, but he's also trying to point out sort of the injustice that there has been for people who are mentally ill. Sure. And I think he does a good job at pointing out those injustices, but it is muddled by the fact that he's trying to redeem a evil character. Yeah. I don't think that, like, in this case, when I'm saying it, is a bit different because what I'm saying is like, these are subjects that like should be talked about and like kids do get bullied for being overweight. I think if more children understood, oh wow, as I'm saying it, it sounds stupid, but I think if like kids, (laughs) if kids understood this stuff, like as an adult, like I, I understand why someone might be going through those things. But like as a kid, I didn't. And like there were like people who were made fun of when I was around and like, I never defended anybody or I never like mm-hmm. put my foot in and be like, don't make fun of them. Like I never participated, but like I obviously could have done more to it. And now when I think about it, I was like, oh, maybe that person like was going through something rough and like whatnot. But I think if we always want to, okay, no, I don't like my point. Hold on. Let me think. <laughs> because I think, look, I think what you're, I, I understand the point you're making and it actually yeah. is the same I'm saying about the Joker because I think what he tries to do is he just tried to put two very different storylines together mm-hmm. and is successful as a movie overall. Like, yes, he does give the Joker an explanation and a backstory that does make sense in our times. And again, people who aren't really like who are looking at it on a surface can really appreciate and understand it. But at the end of the day, you are saying it's okay for the Joker to turn out the way he did because he had he had he was misunderstood and had mental health issues. That's ultimately what you're saying. And that in and of itself is the problem. And that actually is the same problem with heavyweights. If you're trying to say that in a modern day that this movie should be, people should understand it, it kind of defeats the purpose of this movie that is aimed at kids at just being fun. You're stripping it of that. I think this movie does a good job of not being too, like doesn't explain it too, too much. Like watching it as an adult, having that scene where they're like jogging with the counselor and the counselor is explaining to them like, we just have to get some exercise in sometimes, like enjoy yourself, have fun, yeah. be a kid because you are a kid. I think that that's not like such a preachy way of going about it. Like I think Judd Apatow was smart in actually mm-hmm. putting that in and actually did have a plan with this movie. Totes. Totally yeah. agree. I okay. still don't think this movie would it get made, made today. today. I want to see it though. <laughs> and I think I think the issue is is what you were getting at. It would have to have that explanation. It would have to be deeper. It would have to have more gravity to it. And that mm-hmm. is the problem for me. Is that it doesn't need it. This isn't a great movie. It is, ex- but it is exactly what it intends to be. This is a great movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Th- those were my takeaways watching it. I was kind of like, I don't like this, but at the same time. I don't you like to totally see why a 10 year old. Yeah, I can totally understand yeah. why a 10 year old would get this. And like, as a, again, as a 30 year old man, I'm not like, 
I'm it's not I'm not the audience. I'm not the prime audience for this. The same yeah. way that some 10-year-old kid is not meant to watch like There Will Be Blood cuz <laughs> f- forget the violence, they would just sit there and be like what is going on here? Where is the milkshake? Where is, is the milkshake? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, did you go through the IMDb trivia? I didn't know. Okay, so speaking of There Will Be Blood. Oh. Judd Apatow said in the DVD commentary of this movie he once ran into Paul Thomas Anderson, and Paul Thomas Anderson told him that he loves Happy Place. <laughs> that is that is amazing. And I love that. I love knowing that fact. Thank you, IMDb trivia. I feel justified knowing that PTA thinks that this is like this is fun. It's just I think you know it goes back to. Okay, a Cinderella story was just bad, okay? But I think this actually has some, like, entertainment value to it. It is a fun kids movie that I would I, I would let my kid watch this. Yeah, I don't, I don't have, have any problem, problem watching it. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't think it's offensive. I don't think it's anything like that. I don't think it's good, but that's it. But I also think, like, there's just so much... It's like you're saying, in entertainment today, we're looking for the value of things so often... And, like, I think there is a good message here, but it's not shoved down your throat. Yes, yeah, I will give it that. The, the Disney and Pixar movies that are made today, like, they're trying to teach you a lesson. And, like, while they're well-made and I adore them and they're fun to watch, it's nice to just have something fun, to have some fluff, to, you know, have heavyweights. They're also a lot. The thing about these, like, Disney Pixar movies is that if you have something like Inside Out, which is conceptually like a genius film and it's very smart and it's very well made but man that's a lot for a kid well i don't i haven't met very many kids who've said that i really like inside Inside out Out, yeah yeah because it's a lot and i also haven't seen very many kids say they really liked soul have you watched yeah i haven't seen soul yet but that's another one yeah coco right up like right yeah kids love encanto but i don't think they know why (laughs) they don't know about the generational um trauma trauma yet yeah they don't know what that's like they will in a few years they will in a few years yeah well they like Encanto because of the music and the colors and it's beautifully animated and all of that and I look like Mirabelle Mm, apparently do you have sequel prequel ideas (laughs) I want to know where the kids are now okay I want to see the kids almost 30 years later like 20 something years later if you look at their um IMDb's of like what the actress looked like Oh, my God. Yeah, seriously, some of them are really dramatic. So the one who plays Jerry, who's the main character in this, yeah. he plays Dorota's husband on Gossip Girl. And I was, like, mind blown. He looks yeah. so different from when he was he lost, a child. He lost all that weight. Yes, he did. And, and like, Kenan Thompson's in this, we Kenan obviously Thompson. know. Can I, I will just say well this about Kenan Thompson. You can yeah. tell from this movie, oh, this kid he is not born. bad. Yeah, he's, born he to knows be where he's going. Yeah, yeah. Because this was the same time as, like, all that. And then he had his own show with Keenan and Kel. Yeah. I don't think you were, like... No, I that was not a part been... of my world. Yeah. But, no, he was, like, born to be a, a performer. Yeah. And, like, he is... He's stellar in this. I really enjoyed him. Um, but, yeah, I want to maybe know where those kids are now. Like, what... what the, is, this, is Camp Hope still Camp Hope? I don't really care for Tony. Per- Did you watch like up until the last minute of the movie? Yeah, or? I saw the. So the, you saw the Tony Perkis yeah. doing selling crystals. Yeah, door to door. Which totally, he's probably still doing it today, and he's probably part of an MLM. Maybe. It's I don't really need a sequel or prequel to this. 
It's just an amazing standalone it, film. It just, it just is what it is. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd really like to hear your review now. I'm like really oh, curious. Okay. okay, as I mentioned, I know this is not There Will Be Blood. I know <laughs> this is not... This is not the power of the dog, okay? No. This is Heavyweights. And this just reminded me of being a kid and watching this movie like over and over and just laughing my ass off. I wasn't laughing my ass off as a kid because like I couldn't say that word, but now I can. (laughs) But just like laughing as how – as a kid, I laughed because I genuinely thought it was funny. Yeah. Like I thought, oh, this is what humor is. Like this is is comedy gold. This is humorous, yes. Yes. As an adult, I'm laughing because, like, as if I found this stuff funny as a kid, yeah. you know? And I think I think people can be really harsh on their younger selves sometimes. I'm getting a little introspective. But I think it's just fun to kind of see things from a, a, when your life was in a much different perspective. Like, I had no cares in the world when I was 10 years old and yeah. watching this. And so it's nice to, you know, be a 30-year-old woman and just be like, oh, my gosh, like, how much of a riot was this back then? Like, I actually could sit down and just enjoy the stupidity of something. I didn't have to think about, like, oh, I have this, like, laundry list of things that I need to do. Oh, I have – this doesn't make any sense because of, like, what he said earlier and there's a loophole and whatnot. This was just, like, a movie to enjoy. And it is – by no means a masterpiece. <laughs> it is not, you know, well written. It's written, but it's not well written. Yep. And it's not it's not going to win any awards, but I also don't think it wasn't actually as bad as I thought it was going to be. This when we watched a Cinderella story, rewatching that, I felt like, oh, I picked like a really bad movie for us to watch. Like this is just like absolutely terrible but this just felt so light and joyful and airy and it was nice to watch that in terms of my rating i think it's what you said like i have this nostalgic connection to the movie so obviously i was going to enjoy this a lot more if i'm thinking about this as just like a movie on its own i'm gonna rate it two out of five stars which you might think is high i can't see your face right now because my my square is blocking your face. No. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm going to go with two out of five because I do think that there is a good message in this movie that maybe a, as a kid, I don't think I realized it, but as an adult, I do. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think it's just nice for kids to have something fun to gawk at. Not everything needs to be like so serious all the time or have a message shoved down your throat. And it is entertaining for those reasons. And so two out of five. Now, if you rate this with your feelings, where does it go? Like a three and a half. Okay. I had a really good time. This and There Will Be Blood, same rating. <laughs> <laughs> but you asked me like... Yeah, with the feelings. Yeah. Feelings. Yeah. I get it. I had a good... I, I also needed this right now. The world's in a really shitty place. I don't know if you've been watching the news. Yeah. <laughs> but... It's not a great time to be alive right now. And so it was nice to like go back to that 10-year-old and like just laugh at Ben Stiller being an absolute idiot. Yeah. And I, it made me want to watch Zoolander, which I know you hate Ben Stiller, but... Just, I, this just reinforced it, can I just say? I thought it would. I, I, I did have that in my notes. Nadim is going to hate Stiller in this. But I think this is like Stiller at his best. 
Stiller doing what he does best. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Meet that two stars. Two slash three and a half. I'm keeping it at two. It's okay. Two, it's, it's a two star movie. Okay. Yeah. Damien, it's your turn. It is my turn. What does one say about heavyweights? That hasn't <laughs> already been said. So here's the thing. I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying. I do think there is a time and a place for a movie like this, and there's an audience for a movie like this. Is it a good movie? No. Is it well-written? Is it well-acted? Is it well-directed? No, none of the above. If you're looking at this from a purely cinematic perspective, this is not good cinema. Does everything need to be good cinema? I don't think so. Because the audience who this is intended for, let's say like 5 to 12, and 12 might be pushing it, are going to love this. It's easy to watch, it's digestible, it's fun, it's lighthearted. It is what a 10-year-old wants to see when they watch a movie. Like, a 10-year-old doesn't want to sit there necessarily and watch something heavy or watch something with crazy, like, themes or with morals and things like that. This is so easy in and out, which is why you probably love this mm-hmm. as a kid. So there is definitely an audience for this, and I will say that There's an audience for everything, let's say. And there is an audience for a Cinderella story. But that audience should know better. I think that's the difference. That audience deserves better and should know better. This audience, it's fine. It's for kids, yeah. It's for kids. It doesn't need to be better. Can it be better, though? That's the thing. I think you can make movies for kids that are elevated. Mm-hmm. That are well-written, well-directed, well-acted, well-produced films. They don't need to be schlock necessarily for a 10-year-old. I think a 10-year-old can appreciate a well-made movie as well. Can I name one right now, though? Exactly. <laughs> and I've been, uh, the whole time I've been speaking, I've been actually trying to think of something, and I can't. Mm. I can't think of something. I'm thinking of maybe like Mrs. Doubtfire. That, again, is for adults. Yeah. They're going through a divorce. And, like... <laughs> and he's cross-dressing and putting yeah, on a like suit. That's, yeah, that's an adult movie, yeah. I mean, Matilda, I think, holds yeah, up. Yeah, Matilda. Yeah. Yeah. It is it's a, really hard. It is really hard. Like, Mighty Ducks is another one. Like, there is, I think it is a small window of stuff that kind of fits into that niche of, like, doesn't need to be well-made, but is meant for kids. But mm-hmm. I really can't think of movies that are, like, well-made and meant for that. For kids. Meant for kids. And that might just be because of the things that interest kids are like fart jokes and like <laughs> things that typically aren't made for a sophist- more like mature audience. So that might just be the disconnect. Maybe they just don't exist. The parent trap. Mm, that's a very good choice. That was my other like. That's a really I well-made des- movie. There you go. I destroyed that VHS. I destroyed yeah, it. But that's a well-made movie. <laughs> yeah. So then yeah. there you go. And, like, you could talk about, like, Stuart Little, for instance, or, like, Peter Rabbit. So there are movies. And, like, those might be skewing a little bit, like, younger. But ultimately, like, give me some time and I'll figure it out. You can have a better made film. So at the end of the day, I totally understand why this exists. I totally understand why you liked it. I'm going to go with one and a half stars because I do think it is better than a Cinderella story. How about that? (laughs) One and a half for heavyweights. I thought you were going to give it one. So I'm happy for that half. I will say, Mita, your reasoning for why you liked it is that half. Okay. Because I do think, (laughs) I do agree that like there is an audience for this. And the audience who's going to enjoy this doesn't need a 
Parasite. No. Oh my god, could you imagine a 13-year-old kid watching <laughs> They wouldn't understand. They wouldn't understand. They'd have to be able to yeah. read first. There you go. read pretty quickly. We each went half a score up from oh, really? the Cinderella story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nita, but I am, can I just tell you? That was my other thing. Like, I think you've been waiting for this I've for I've been so waiting long. for this for so long. Yeah. How do you feel now that we've watched Heavyweights? It feels like a moment. Like, like, I really yeah. feel like I've accomplished something. You wish you could just bottle up this? Bottle up this, this feeling. feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing I will say is that watching this, weirdly enough, I was rolling my eyes and I was like on my phone. I wasn't really like invested in it, but it yeah. didn't feel like homework. Right? It, it really didn't there, feel like homework. It was so yeah. nice. I was doing the same. Like I wasn't like glued to the TV. Yeah. But I also was just like, oh, like, th- I could just put this on and I- it would be no problem. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. And even, like, my-, my dad walked in while I was watching it and he remembered me watching this oh, as really? a kid. Yeah. He's like, oh, I remember this one. And I think he enjoyed it when I <laughs> was a cute. kid. That's really yeah. cute. It was specifically the scene where, like, they're using the sliders to exercise. Yeah. And my dad was like, how do they do that so well? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, so good. You're going to go so watch good. it again. You are? You are. Oh, no, I'm not going to. Sure? No, no, no. Heavyweights is for a time and a place. I think if I uh, am babysitting like a, a 10-year-old, let's put heavyweights on. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. If you ever babysit my kids, you could show it to them. I don't think you would let me. <laughs> <laughs> show it to them? <laughs> yeah. I don't think your daughter would like it. I don't think. I think she's like too poised for it. <laughs> I say this about a five-year-old. Five-year-old, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? She seems like she has like very elevated taste levels. So I feel like I'm going to turn her into a pretentious girl. You might (laughs) just send her over to meet the auntie. She'll make sure she gets. She'll round you out real well. Yeah, Cinderella story in heavyweight. (laughs) To okay, wait. I just also want to clarify. I do. I like heavyweights more than a Cinderella story as an adult. I don't know if I made that clear. I think that was clear. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I wanted to say it out loud, though, so we have proof. I think it holds up more, but yeah. It does. Yeah. It totally does. There we go. Oh, my God, we finally did it. I know, we did it. Joke is over. It's you can't done. bring it up ever I again now. It's done. No. But meet that Thanks, now. Jed Apatow. Sorry. <laughs> I just had so much to say about Heavyweights. Heavy it was a real important movie for you. As a kid, it was. It was just so entertaining. And it also really made me want to go to a sleepaway camp. As a 30-year-old woman? No, no, no. When I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Like, I wanted to go to one of those types of camps. Yeah. But Indian parents don't do that. They don't do that. <laughs> no. That's not a thing. No. But that's enough Okay, of now we can. Now we can <laughs> yeah. move on. Now we can move on, I guess. Because it's time to play... Different characters. Same world. Ba-da-bop. So this is going to be a tonal change. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm not ready for this jelly. You'll be ready. I actually think you'll enjoy what I'm about to serve. Oh. So, I'm giving you two actors, Mm -hmm. one director. Okay. Okay? So, Senator Keeley. Okay. Yep. Fredo. Uh Uh-huh. And Jack Powell. Okay. And your timer starts now. So... Fredo is, I'm forgetting his name, but I think that could be the director. So I think you're making me watch a Francis Ford Coppola movie. 
because the Godfather, right? Mm-hmm. Fredo's from the Godfather, so it might be Coppola. What Coppola movies? Oh, it's is it Full Metal Jacket? No, that's, that's not. That's uh, Kubrick. That's that's Kubrick. What's the war one that Apocalypse he has? Apocalypse Now. There we go. No. Is it Apocalypse Now? <laughs> <laughs> Am I on the right track with Coppola? It is a Coppola movie. Okay. It is a Coppola movie that I have not seen. Coppola, Coppola, Coppola. What were the other characters? Senator Keeley. Okay. And Jack Powell. Jack Powell. Uh, You have 10 seconds. You're just, oh. you're just doing this now. Okay. <laughs> That's a minute. Is it Dracula? It's not Dracula. You've okay. seen Dracula. I've not seen Dracula. You haven't? Oh, okay. No, I've not seen Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, it's not that, though. Will you give me the actors and see if I can? I can. Okay. So, Senator uh, Senator Keeley is Gene mm-hmm. Hackman in The Birdcage. Okay. Fredo is actually John Cazell Cazell? In yes. The Godfather. Okay. And Jack Powell is Robin Williams in Jack, which was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, so it has John Cazell. And Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. What? The conversation? We are watching the conversation. There we go. I wasn't sure if this was going to be on your radar or not. It like is, but it isn't. And like, this is interesting and you'll find out why. (laughs) Have you seen it? No. Okay, good. Do you want to see it? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah, that it's a thriller, exciting. right? It's a mystery. It's a mystery thriller, yeah. It won Palme d'Or, right? Did it win Palme d'Or? I'm pretty sure it did. Okay. I it think was definitely, like it was nominated for Best Picture. Well, I'm going to have to look up if it was Palme d'Or. And like, um, it also it has did win Palme d'Or, yeah. Bit, it has a little bit to do with like my, one of my favorite topics, Watergate, right? No. Oh, I thought it did. Well, watch. Okay. Just watch it, Mika. <laughs> I'm very excited. But that is next week for... Okay. We're getting down to the end. Oh, my god! Because that is three, then Meet the has the second last one, and I pick the last one. There you go. That's it. And then that's season that's two. It. And then we'll we'll let you guys know what's, what's up, happening up after that. Yeah. Exciting things, exciting things. There we go. Do you want to give us some expertly written, written parting words? Of course. Lunch has been canceled due to lack of hustle. Deal with it. Yay. <laughs> oh. It's just so good. It's just so fun. There's nothing else like it. Name another movie that's like Heavyweight. I mean, Mighty Ducks. No, that doesn't count. Yeah, it totally does. <laughs> so, I'm too young for Mighty Ducks. Like, I don't have that. I know I've seen it, but I don't have that recollection. You don't have that memory yet. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Deal with it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and rate and review. And we'll deal with you... it. <laughs> and we will see you next week for the conversation, which is like what we're having right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.